I gotta slap a. It's <laughs> like, cause, cause like a, a few people have heard that I do this, and I'm trying to, you know, always broaden the audience and stuff like expand that. Your expand your list yeah. yeah, exactly. Some marketing shit like that, and uh, I've had a few family members, like my mother's, listen to them, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think she's gonna be able right. to listen to this. Miss Flores, I am so sorry. Like, you, I've been in your home. You are a very lovely person. You have a lovely family. <laughs> My parents are nice. I, they didn't raise me like this. I don't know how I became this way. I'm so sorry for the stuff that I said. so bad it's so cheesy hello world welcome back to the flores and friends podcast today i'm joined by one of my oldest friends we we met in high school in probably the greatest homeroom i think i've ever had my guest sat behind me and you know i think that you know we, we we've come a long way uh, i'd like to introduce you to my good friend dalvin ford how you doing man i'm doing great I'm doing great. Yeah, that homeroom was fire. Yeah. Most of our high school experiences were pretty strong to start off with, I can't lie. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, going to college, I, I would talk to people who went to different high schools in Louisiana, and they would talk about, like, fights and, like, gang violence and shit like that. Wait, I'm like, I only remember one fight in my history at Franklin, and it was before you got there. But now NFL player Marcus Cromartie got in a fight with John Rebels. I don't know if you remember him. Nevertheless, oh, yeah. like, they were, it was like freshman year MPE. I don't know what started it. I just remember that, like, they were standing at the top of the bleachers in the gym. He, John, like, pushes Marcus, and Marcus, like, stumbles down to the bottom of the stairs. And I shit you not, he, like, leaves all of the bleachers at once to come back and fight him. Wait a I minute. should have known that he would be an elite athlete then. This is how terrible an alumni I am. I did not know Marcus Cromartie went to Franklin. Oh, yeah. Oh, he wow. Did. He left after Katrina and like oh, yeah. went to a real football high school yeah. and then stayed, which little, can't blame him. A little bit of background. We both went to uh, the high school. It's called Ben Franklin High School. I went there my sophomore year. You went there all four years, but unfortunately our sophomore year got severely fucked by Katrina. So I only really went there two solid, fun-filled years. You went there three years, right? Yeah, essentially. Like, I only... <laughs> We, we were at school for like seven days, five days, the Katrina year, and I didn't come back for that second part. So. Ben Franklin has a reputation, at least in New Orleans, and pretty much statewide as well, I guess, as being the number one public high school in the state. And arguably, like, number one overall. Like, I know the kids that go to Jesuit and, like, the yeah. boarding school up north are pretty smart, too. But I would say we're definitely, we're definitely up there. But, the, I mean, that's like being a big fish in a small pond, because as... The world is probably aware Louisiana schooling is not, to quote one of our old English high school teachers, it's not stellar. You know what I'm saying? No, it is, it is very far from it. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like American education, it's not that lit anyway. But... Ooh, that's a that's a whole other podcast right there, man. <laughs> yeah. But we also went to LSU. You went to LSU for a few years. I graduated from LSU, and we. Uh, I feel like I'm not to get not to get too romantic here, but like we kind of we kept in touch and we bonded even more in college, and especially after college, because we would hang out anytime I was in New Orleans. We got to kind of go on that like young man's 
never-ending quest for bitches. It's <laughs> oh really been like a magical adventure. Dude, we, we've we had some adventures. It's and funny I'll... to think about that girls actually talk to us, because we might have been like the least desirable <laughs> people possible. And like at age 19. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> it's really funny. We go to the club, we can't drink, we don't have fake IDs, like, we're just standing there, drinking Red Bull, hoping somebody will buy us a beer, like, what's you... up, girl, you want some of this? Like, I'm gonna take you back to my mom's house. Yeah, that was the thing, it was like, we recently noted that of late, without going into too many gory details, but we recently flipped the script. Like, we've actually found some measure of success when we go out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it just comes with general life confidence, right? Like, yeah, we oh. know when we work. We know our strengths and weaknesses. You know what your league is. You know who yeah. you can, like, talk to. It all comes with age. And, like, I also kind of, well, at least hopefully, kind of drop some of those ain't shit tendencies that I've had. <laughs> As a teenager, as a like an actual adult. Yeah, I'm sure you've probably noticed, but I will definitely state for the record that I'm not nearly as big as, as a little scaredy cat. And back in the day, like in college and high school, I would never go up and talk to a random woman. But now I'm like, eh, what's, I gotta go, I like to go say hey, it's not that big a deal. It's like, it's... Like, I've been embarrassed mortifyingly so many times in my life. Like, talking to this one woman won't do anything. Yeah, It'll just oh, be yeah. another one, or it won't be. Yeah, and the, the other thing is, like, I'm not, I'm not this gangly little awkward teenager anymore. Yes, now we're gangly men. Yeah, well, I don't know, dude. I put on some weight. I got some more to love to me right now, so I'm not gangly. I still think, in the grand scheme of things, you're probably not a big dude. Yeah, I'm not like pushing 200 here, but I definitely, I could lose some weight. I'm not going. So anyway, we we've had our fun times. That that might come out in a tell all one day. Um. <laughs> One of the things that I've recently that we've recently bonded closer about is I just recently got into Game of Thrones. Uh, Which about time? Yeah, I don't understand why people don't watch it. Okay, a lot of people might not know this, but close friends know this. I am a notorious contrarian. If I see a bandwagon getting too large, I avoid. I go the exact opposite direction. So I was always hesitant to start watching it because I didn't want to get sucked into the cult of Game of Thrones. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. As a card-carrying member of the cult, yes, I definitely get it. But you've been a fan. God, how long have you been a fan? You read the books. Oh, You're one of the I few watched... people who've read the books. Yes, well, I mean, the show made me read the books. Like, I watched the first season, and I was like, this show is the sickest show of all time. And then I learned it was based off of a series of books, and I read them. I didn't know that she was just going to, like, play with my dick and then stop writing books, basically. <laughs> like, I had no idea that the show would pass up the books, because at this point, the books as a whole different story hopefully he keeps it different and they can just be kind of like an alternate universe ending of the show yeah okay but yeah so there's five books right right which one was your right now which one was your favorite now the titles are like escaping my head since i'm like live the third one though it was the one that had the red when i first read that why can't i is it a it's not a storm of swords it's the one before that yeah dude i blitzed it i think i got into it about i'd say a month and a half maybe two months ago and it's it's really good i'm really glad i didn't follow it as in real time because binging it was so much better like, oh yeah I, could, I would agree with that completely. i can't imagine watching Jon snow die last year and then having to wait a whole nother year to find out what the fuck is gonna happen with that right uh, i mean yeah so at the end of the last book which came out i think 2011 mm-hmm. like it's been a while that that's it ends with that scene where Jon snow gets stabbed oh, and shit. like you don't know right so, the whole, I never was really nervous, because there was kind of a lot of hints yeah. that he was going to live at, at that time, but it kind of, I, I guess it kind of sucks, slash, it's awesome that the show just 
revealed it for us and didn't like make us play it out any longer. My, one of my favorite group of characters is the Brotherhood. No, without banners. Without banners, yeah. And that dude was brought back several times. So I was like, yeah, well, they've set precedent. He's probably going to come back. So. Right. So I really like the show. I don't think I'll ever read the books. I don't read. You should. Uh, no, uh, you probably should. Like, it's inc- they're very long. And you can tell, like, all right, if you had this genius idea of this amazing story and you want to tell it, like, okay, when you first start it, you'll be on it. But then, like, if as you get closer to the end, it's kind of hard to, like, sum everything up. Like, the books definitely are getting worse. The last uh, book is not nearly as good as, like, hmm. the third one. Yeah, um, yeah, mm, I don't know, maybe one day. When it's I'm, also yeah. horrendously detailed. Like, oh, yeah. you will read an entire page on what they ate, and a page might be, like, generous. Like, that's, they were able to extrapolate a whole cookbook from the Game of Thrones <laughs> books because he explains food to so much detail. Oh, my God. Well, he is a large man, so he probably he's probably a big fan of food. Yeah, you can kind of tell because he definitely goes fully in on that. <laughs> uh, and I hear the sex scenes... And the male and female genitalia are very aptly yeah, described. It's all, you, you really can envision it. Like, it's pretty easy to picture. <laughs> my favorite character, I, I don't know if I, I can pin down one. I think Tyrion is probably my favorite character right now. But I really love Davros, uh, and Jon Snow is really cool. A dude I really liked that died early on was Mance Raider. And yeah. he really, he I was really cool. dug him. He was cool in the books. I know you'll probably never find out, but he was much cooler in the books. And questionably that like he could return i really dug what he was trying to do and it's a it really sucks that he had to die but but it feels like Jon snow is becoming the new like man oh, yeah Raider. they explain that like explicitly they say like you know you can't really rule the wildlings you can't rule the free people with a title like they just follow sheer force of personality yeah and um, like john has that he's like all of the leadership qualities <laughs> um, in one he's very stereotypical hero yeah he is he he really is the Boy Scout of the of the series. Oh yeah, but I mean, when you think about it, in like within their world, like to embrace the wildlings is a pretty dramatic thing to do. So he seems probably not so Boy Scouty to them, but yeah, he understands what's the real goal. For real, your favorite character, and I, I knew this for a while, but I had no idea who who you were talking about. But Stannis Baratheon. Right. So I'll, yes. let me just preface all this by saying because people always like laugh at that. Stannis in the book is like. Infinitely better than Stannis in the show. Okay. Stannis in the show is like very serious and kind of quiet and seems like a loser. He doesn't really like win anything to like earn your respect, right? Yeah, he's he's not very charismatic and likable. Well, that was kind of my intrigue for him in the book. So in the book, basically, in the second book, which I guess kind of corresponds to maybe the second and third season. Yeah. There's like five people trying to be king. Mm-hmm. And you, as the reader, know that the actual claimant, the, the legitimate one, is Stannis because Joffrey yeah. and the rest of the kids aren't really the king's kids, so the next in line to be king is his brother. Hooray inbreeding. <laughs> yes. Hooray inbreeding. Right? So, with that being said, like he was solely, singularly focused on the rules. He, not, he was not tempted by like other people's money. He wasn't tempted by sex. He couldn't be like he was one hundred percent laser focused. Refresh my memory. Uh, the other brother, Rennie, Remy, Redland. Yeah. What was his claim? Why was he trying to take the throne? So yeah, that was another thing. Like people often were like, "Oh yeah, Renly was." You know, I'd prefer Renly to Stannis. He was younger than Stannis, obviously younger than than Robert. He basically thought he should be king because he was like more kingly than Stannis. He was like, "People like me, and I'm fun and cool, so I should be king and not you." 
Okay. That was his whole, that was the basis of it. Pretty flimsy, but I mean. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of meant like I have, I'm more capable of creating alliances. Like I already have basically the whole Tyrell family on my side because I'm fucking the main one. Spoiler alert, I was really sad to see Marjorie Tyrell bite it. Yeah, she was a cool character, but I feel like the actress was probably on to bigger and better things. Yeah, and uh. I feel like the show at this point has to start wrapping up the political drama from the earlier seasons. Like, does. We all know that there's bigger shit about to happen. The other guy who played Lawrence Tyrell, the the brother, he's actually about to be Iron Fist in the next Netflix series. So I knew he was going to be leaving. Yeah, so Stannis was just like, yeah, he was just like a badass who was focused on, like, the rules. And so when John first writes the letter after he becomes Lord Commander, like, hey, all of the kingdoms, I just want to let y'all know, White Walkers are here and they're going to fucking kill us. Like, yeah. just, hey, nobody listened except Stannis. Because Stannis was like, hey, this is a big deal obviously yes you're the lord commander why would you lie i'm gonna come here and help you and then in the time where stannis and john like first meet they're like very reluctant bromance it's one of the best periods in the book because he kind of empowers john's like leadership because you know how he was viewed amongst the other dudes in the in castle yeah. black he was he was only kind of popular but they thought he was like a spoiled brat because he came from a rich family yeah and, and the- like stannis kind of helped him stand on his own two feet yeah especially after they execute him slit that was like one of the best parts in the book I really dig little inside baseball I really dig the actor who plays Stannis because he I don't know if you ever watched HBO did that series John Adams the dude who played Stannis I can't remember his name Stephen Delane that's the guy he also played Thomas Jefferson in John Adams and he was if you know anything about John Adams and Thomas Jefferson they were I mean they were like bosom buddies and then they had a falling out over presidencies and all that shit, and he was really, he was really fucking good in John Adams. So I was like, oh shit, it's Thomas Jefferson and all that shit. I don't, I've never seen that, but I will have to watch it. Dude, it's, it's probably my favorite anything so far on the Revolutionary War. I think one of the craziest things about Game of Thrones is like it helps me to realize that there are only like twenty six actors in England. <laughs> like everybody on Game of Thrones has been on. If you watch a show with British accents before, like somebody from yeah. Game of Thrones has been on it. They, I, I, it's a small country, I guess. Like, it's like I don't know every, how they produce all these actors. It's like they all graduated from Harry Potter, and they're like, "Well, shit, what are we gonna do now?" What are we gonna, hey, exactly. There's only one Thrones. product. There's only one project keeping like British actors working at any given time. Uh, that's that's fucking funny. So, where do you think it's going? What do you think about the whole John being R plus L equals J? Who do you think is gonna end up at the uh, at the end on the Iron Throne? I honestly think that I think it'll be I can't decide whether it'll be John or Danny. It'll only be one of them though. As long as little think thing that everybody thinks that they'll there. end up together and they'll kinda of like a dual rule type yeah. situation. You don't know if it'll be platonic or romantic, but Ew. they'll end up but I don't think so. I think uh, there's nothing in this series that indicates any sort of happy ending. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if the White Walkers won and then uh, everyone died. Because <laughs> that's how little fucks George R. R. Martin gives. <laughs> yeah, and not, I mean, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about people reading it. And uh, it would be like an interesting, because you can kind of pivot it to like, all right, there's a few survivors and they go yeah. and start civilization somewhere else and the end, right? I don't know. Or I feel like we're going to get more characterization of the White Walkers soon. Because yeah. now that we know that they're led by, like, a sentient dude and, like, they have yeah. motivations, you might learn of, like, why 
they're doing what they're doing, and then who knows? Maybe that'll be enough to make you like not nah, You'll never sympathize with them winning, but at least you'll hit it. <laughs> you'll be like, okay, I can live with it. My theory, like, based, yeah. Like based on if some White Walkers came and took over America right now, I couldn't even be mad. Like <laughs> we kind of deserve it. I'm sure it's the same thing for Westeros. Well, getting to that in a second, my theory is that Danny's gonna come take over Casterly Rock, right? Yeah, no, or Danny's gonna take over, and the dragons are gonna use to take over or, or defeat the White Walkers, and Jon's gonna rule the North, and Danny's gonna rule the South, and everything. That I feel like that's how it's gonna end. See, the only thing about that is I can't even imagine, especially after like the way the show is set up, I can't imagine Danny, who's been so singularly focused on like. I'm going to rule everything. This is all rightly mine. And then she comes back and like, all right, well, hey, you can keep the North. And oh, yeah, Iron Islands, y'all could be your own thing. Oh, Dorn, y'all were cool. Then, like, what's the point? You gave everybody what they wanted. Like, y'all are like the United States of Westeros now. She came to rule it all. Well, She came to conquer in fire and blood, not negotiate in fire Well, and blood. don't you think that it's possible that she'll let John be the warden of the North because he's her nephew? Like, there's blood. They're like, they can... Unite under yeah, one but thing. nobody really knows that yet. I, that's the, 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 I'm trying to see how they're going to go about that explanation. Of, all right, who, who knows besides Bran that he's family? I don't think nobody. anybody knows right now. Yeah, and Bran, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that's what the next season will be about, getting him into a position where he can tell people that he's basically omniscient and he knows everything. But it'll, I don't know how quickly she'll accept that information. And if she does accept it, what does that even mean to her? Yeah. I think maybe we'll find out when he and John encounters a dragon in some way, and if he like, I don't know, if the Targaryens have superpowers and he's unburned, or yeah. he can control it like Tyrion did and not get killed, then maybe we'll know. But a buddy of mine, I, a buddy of mine, definitely pointed out that in the books, Targaryens aren't immune to fire, but in the show, they are or something. Like no, that? it's not the Targaryens. I think he kind of said that like, Danny is, and okay. she has like chosen one superpowers. I don't know what okay. it is, but she is legitimately immune to fire. I don't know if it's a yeah. Targaryen thing. So do you, so do you think uh, Tyrion's a Targaryen? Uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but uh, like, because you know there's the, the theory like the dragons will have three riders, so yeah. the third person, he is probably the third most important person in the series also. Oh yeah, if, if Tyrion so dies, I'm done. I'm like, I'm checking oh, out a Tyrion battle. Because oh. he's a character that you've grown to like love. Please love, don't love. say that. Don't do this to me. Like he's gonna. I mean, I I would be surprised if he lived. I'm just saying. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I think I asked you this a while ago, but it's like, so you would say that the overall. I would say. Well, I would say that the overall villain of the entire show, I think, is Cersei. Do you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't think the show is supposed to be. This is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Yeah. Like maybe she's the character that you don't root for. I don't think there's like as a antagonist per se. Well, as a comic book superhero film kind of guy, like I, uh, the whole you know arch villain, arch nemesis, comic book villain. She's had like in my opinion the most traditional. I'm sorry, traditional or conventional. And to make it, I guess more like yeah, like you said, more comic book kind of a sci-fi thing. I think of Cersei more Vadery. Yeah, and I think exactly. of like Littlefinger is kind of. Palpatine. Yeah. Like it, I, it, the show kind of kind of boiled down to like Varys versus Littlefinger and all the shit that they had going was against each other. Dude, right? wait. I saw the actor who plays Varys. Does he shave his head? Because I, or is he naturally bald? Because I thought I saw him with hair and it freaked me the fuck out. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he shaves his everything to, like, be fair. Because he's supposed to be, like, all hairless and smooth. Dude, if he ended up on the... I don't think... I think he said he doesn't want to end up on the Iron Throne. But if Varys ended up on the Iron Throne, I'd be like, okay, that, that's cool. I can live with that. Yeah, I think he has no... I think he's his only desire is to get a Targaryen to the Iron Throne. And he doesn't really care which one. Okay, so talking about one fucked up political scene, moving to a real, a real fucked up political scene. I voted for Bernie Sanders, full disclosure. Did you hear about the... Did you hear about the Democratic... Party, uh, like, yeah, I mean, it's a fucking joke. The Democrats are humorously corrupt, right? yeah. especially at its core. And Hillary is like very emblematic of that, right? Yeah. When it got when it dropped that like Democratic Party like like shut out Bernie and did everything they could to like not help him. I'm like, I thought everybody knew that. That's a really that's like the worst kept secret. Like the Democrats did not want Bernie Sanders because he was too fucking radical. It was. It had nothing to do with Bernie Sanders. They did not want any. It was Hillary's time. Basically, the whole her whole election spiel has been like, "It's my time. It's my turn." And I feel like they were cool with having someone go up against Hillary, and I think they were fine with it being Bernie in the sense that, all right, we need somebody on the left, mm-hmm. or like as far left as we can get, that's still like somewhat politically viable to be a good opponent. Then he ended up being like a legitimate threat. And so they couldn't have her lose because they didn't want to risk running this old socialist. And then yeah. he started attacking her very effectively. And now mm. they had to try to rush to get him the fuck out of here. Dude. But I think, like, they're, they completely overestimated how much people would, like, learn to love Hillary. Like, that she's not very likable. Whoever posted the meme of, like, you got to vote for fucking Umbridge or Voldemort wins, it's really the perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect, like, analogy. I'm not. There's Hillary, nothing lovable about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had a husband who I used to think was cool. Now he's just kind of like tolerable, and she like kind of panders to the shit that I like. Whereas the other dude is like, "Hey, I wish you were dead." I, I'm not. I'm not a Hillary fan. I'll never be a Hillary fan. The thing I, I just don't trust her motivations. Like I really think she just wants to be president. Like she doesn't want to help anybody. She wants to help herself. She's completely self-absorbed and ambitious. I just. She literally just wants to sit at that desk and be called Madam President. That's that I truly believe. Right, but like I guess the difference is like she wants to sit at the desk so she can be called president. Yeah. And when she gets there or if she gets there, yeah. we have a pretty general basis of what that'll look like. Like yeah. her husband was president. Yeah. Things went relatively well and the dude that she worked for was president. Yeah. And things have gone relatively well. Donald Trump only I don't even think he wants to govern. No, he, he doesn't. wants to kind of add to his winner mystique. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's the same thing. They have the same motivation. They just both want to be like, hey, y'all voted for me for president. But, yeah. The, the difference is when if Hillary when Hillary wins, she won't like et, like shake up the etch a sketch of this country and be like, okay, we're just gonna like keep it going. Things we are, we're gonna try and fix some things, but probably not anything's gonna get fixed. Trump is gonna be like, well, we're just gonna toss this out the fucking window, and I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. It's just like. I think, I mean, people say that, but I don't even think that's going to happen. Like, I don't know if you saw the report about what he said to Kasich. Like, he, so he, basically, there was a report that he offered Kasich the vice presidency. And in his, he basically, his pitch to him was like, are you ready to be the most powerful vice president in history? That tells me he's not ready to do shit. Yeah. Like, he just wants to win. And, like, <laughs> I don't think you saw how much, like, shit Obama had to say when he ran in 2008 and then yeah. you saw how much shit Congress allowed him to right? Yeah. As long as there's fucking Ted Cruz's and Nancy Pelosi's and people who will not stand to see Donald Trump do anything, Donald Trump the president is not going to do shit unless he like 
stirs his supporters up to the point of like killing people, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility right nope. now. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, him as a, it would be kind of neutered. Yeah, I don't think much would happen. His my theory is that the reason Donald Trump is running for president is because some somewhere someone said. Yo, Mr. Trump, you'll never win president. It's impossible. That will never happen. And he literally was like, oh, really? Well, let me show you how far I can get. It's like... I it? honestly think he's running for president. Like, you remember the first time he ran and he was, like, out almost immediately or, like, people wanted him to run it and he was like, ah, no. Yeah, that was like... Yeah, um, I remember that, yeah. So I think that he... The first time he was like, hey, you know, if I flirt with running for president, that'd be a great way to get publicity. Yeah. Right? And he does it and then he doesn't run. And then Obama goes on stage and absolutely fucking super roasts him at the correspondence dinner. Yeah. Like, ever, I remember seeing that was, like, what, 2011 or something? Like oh, it was that shit time. was amazing. Just, I think that Mr. Trump has shown that he is pretty uh, petty yeah, and thin-skinned. Thin yeah. And I honestly think at that moment when he was sitting in that room and everybody's laughing at him and Obama is roasting him, I think that's when he decided he wanted to be president. So when, and he was willing to do anything. So in the same vein of, like, the social network, when Aaron Sorkin writes a script about the story of Trump's presidential campaign, that's going to be the opening scene where Trump's sitting at that table and then the machinations start and he's going to be like, I must have my revenge and shit like Yeah, that. like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go back on anything <laughs> I've said. Like, I... Yeah, like the it's too obvious that he doesn't give a fuck about the policies that he says. Like this, no, he doesn't. It's the whole thing about like if I ran for president, I'd run as a Republican. Those are the dumbest voters. He said that <laughs> verbatim, and people were like cool. He was like, I think Hillary would be a great president. I support her so much, and now he's saying shit like it's obvious. Like he doesn't care. He's just like pissed, and he's trying to like show somebody that. I'm the real deal. See, that's the thing. Like, I despise Ted Cruz. I absolutely despise that man. I think he I'll, should be locked if, if up. If the election came down to Ted Cruz versus Donald Trump, I'll vote for Donald Trump all day at twice on Sunday. Like, Ted Cruz is the worst thing to ever happen to he's me. A, he's a despicable person, but I have to give him respect. He was like, I'm not going to be at this giant party, and after everything that Donald Trump has said about me, my father, and my wife, I'm not going to be like, yeah, vote for Trump. He's going to be like, nah, fuck that dude. I had to give him respect for that. I was like, nah. Fuck that, yeah, dude. I mean, that, he just wanted the stage, too. Like, when you decide to be in politics, you're basically, like, to a certain extent, whoring yourself out for attention at the right times, right? Yeah. He's basically making a real big public bet that Donald Trump's going to get fucking murdered in this election. And if he does, he can basically run, be a political hero off of that for, like, a long time. Yeah, if I he think... doesn't, like, he's going to be ruined. It's a huge bet, but, like, I don't think that he has some grand, oh, this is my last stand type deal. I think he was just making the only viable political move for him at the time. Yeah. If he wants to be the president. I really think Trump's going to uh, falter in the one-on-one -on -one debates. Like, I think that when he's Define back into falter. a corner, he's going to shrivel. Define shrivel. I don't, the people don't give a fuck what he says. He <laughs> can say anything. But as long as he stands there and, like, looks like he's not taking no shit from Hillary, even if he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, says anything that makes sense, like, people will still be like, cool, good, I'm with it. But I think... I think if she's smart, which I, I, I believe Hillary Clinton is smart enough, and she has the team around her to help her, but I think that if she catches him on his bullshit and gets him off balance, I think that she can you know, go for the kill and expose some of his bullshit, and he'll get flustered and frustrated. And I think the best attack against Donald Trump in general to like kind of weaken at some of his like undying support is just, just make him 
seem less like successful right yeah. so i think the more you hit on like all oh, his businesses were really failures if you can somehow one day get his fucking tax returns out there like thanks a lot for hacking the dnc can you hack that if you could show like he wasn't a billionaire or he took money yeah. from someone else and he's like working for somebody that yeah. would like end it because that's his whole appeal yeah. it's it's like what successful business have you ever run like successful. I'm not talking about sustained. I'm talking about successful business. Have you? Yeah, ever I mean, he's run the business of his name yeah. very well. But I mean, that's about it. Only in America, man. Only in America. Yeah, I mean, I'm we're surprised, but like, not really. The whole country has been dog whistling since fucking Barry Goldwater, right? Like, it's only a matter of time before somebody was like, "Fuck the whistle." I'm gonna just say it. And I really, I really grilled. I really like to grill people about the slogan "Make America Great Again." It's like, what? What is this again? Shit! Like, what? Well, what are you like, talking about? People can only see things from their perspective, right? Absolutely. If I was white, I would be like, "Yo, did you ever watch that show? Fucking Leave It to Beaver." That was the greatest time in American history. I want to be like chilling and white with a good job and everybody's happy. Notice there were no fucking black people on the show. They were probably toiling in poverty on the other side of town. Yeah. But like. Make America Great Again is like when it was cool to be white and like everybody was getting money and by everybody I mean white people. Yeah, I I was talking, I went to hang out with a friend, she's a conservative Christian and we were having drinks and we started talking politics because she knows I'm a liberal atheist and all that shit so she wanted to hear my opinion and she was like, I feel like this country's more divided than ever. I'm like, I want to tell you something. The fact that some people believe that this country was at any time one unified nation who all agreed on one thing and there wasn't like a division that if you believe it's a fucking myth like this country yeah. has, since july 5th 1776 this country has been at odds with each other it's like that there was only there was two times in history that like uh the country was i would say in the 90 percent of yeah, unified okay. right two times was it December 4th, which you're right, are probably the most shining, unified moments in our country's history. And two of the worst tragedies in our country's yeah. history. Yeah, but you think about, after Pearl Harbor, the effect that it had on Japanese people. And then after 9-11, I distinctly remember some people telling Muslims, hey, don't go to school or don't go to work. You might yeah. get fucking destroyed or killed. It's like, even in our proudest moments, we yeah, had you know awful what it is? things. Because <laughs> America has kind of had one singular motif throughout the whole time like there's black people and there's white people and they like there's an issue right the whole time and the only two moments in the history is when <laughs> they switch the enemy focus to someone else yeah like that's the only time and all the countries that like seem they are great or uh beyond the 
the, the kind of petty problems that weighs down America. It's just that they don't have that whole race issue, like, weighing them down. Yeah. Right? Like, people are inherently racist, and they don't want to fuck with people that don't like them. I mean, that don't look like them. I've, I'm kind of pretty cynical about it at this point. I've, like, given up. And, like, for example, Sweden, all of the North, the Scandinavian countries, they all are, like, incredibly, incredibly, like, liberal and advanced and clean and Progressive, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, they're also like no black people, no fucking anything else. Yeah, they're very congruent. They're very like that makes it really easy to. Yeah. You don't have that if you just know other ethnic groups. There's no need for like xenophobia and shit to pop up because they're not there. Well, we are, as I like to remind people, we are still animalistic, and we oh, we, yeah. we we have a herd mentality, and like it's it's really sad it's it's just human nature it's lack of empathy is is the key to i think most of the world's problems and stuff like that but oh yeah yeah selfishness over individuality it's it's you gotta you gotta find the right balance of well i mean i don't think there's a problem with like over individuality it's just that like if people want to shit on that identity like obviously i'm going to start clinging to it more like there's nothing wrong with being proud of whatever you're fucking yeah thing is but yeah me and my me and my buddy we talked about uh how it's he he feels that well he doesn't feel this way but he said that a lot of white people are upset he feels like minorities are trying to take away their rights i'm like no it's it's not it's not see that's the thing you you, you they have it slanted minorities women homosexuals blacks asians mexicans you know the the variety of folk they're not trying to take the wheel away from white America. They're trying to be included in the decision making. Yeah, it's, we're not trying to take a wheel, we're just trying to get in the fucking car. Yeah. Like, it's not even, the thing I understand the most about like racist ideas about black people and I guess all minorities and their role in this country is like, first off, starting with black people. I'm a black person to the people who have never seen me or you can't tell by my voice. Wait a minute, you're black? Uh, <gasps> yeah, shocking development. Oh um, man, I gotta reevaluate this. Yeah, like, at no point did we ask to be here. We're basically a part of the fabric of America. It's kind of hard to get that real good patriotism popping and tell the yeah. story of the history of America. We're not fucking immigrants, y'all brought us. Yeah. And then when they were like, all right, leave us alone and do your own shit, black people. Slavery's over. Get the fuck out of here. And they did. White people came actively to, like, destroy it. That's the part that I don't understand. Like, where I, I can understand white separatism. It sucks, like, but I get it. I, I mean, if I, if I think things are bad, I'm cool with, like, bunkering down with the people that are closest to me, my white brethren, and go and live on my own. Why do they constantly fuck with, like, black creations or black yeah. or Latino things? Like, all right, they got people in your town speaking Spanish to each other. So the fuck what? They probably speak English, and if they don't, who cares? Like, why is that bothering you? Or why the fact that, like, black people have this popular culture and we do this? Like, why does that, like, offend your eyes and you have to, like, call and complain about Cheerios having an interracial couple on TV or Beyonce saying Red Lobster in a song? Like, I don't understand this. Like, if you want to be, like, just white and get your fucking white on, cool. I don't understand why you keep coming for black people in general. And that's been, like, throughout history. Like, I don't know if you know the story of Black Wall Street, but, like, they burned that shit down for no reason. Like, the black people did everything you asked. They got the fuck out of your town. They started their own town. They don't use your businesses. They started your businesses. They became very successful, so you burned it all down. And now you're mad that black people are dependent on the government. Well, we had our own shit once. 
a few times, and then they were actively undermined. The thing is, I mean, I'm no historian, I'm no, you know, anthropologist, I'm, I'm just a fucking dude from the West Bank of New Orleans. We're um, all just dudes. We're all just a kid from somewhere. Well, it's funny that it's like, yeah, after you talk about, especially after the Civil War ended, and Jim Crow, and then all this Reconstruction South, it's really funny that, like, we, we freed African Americans, and... And then we were like, okay, you have freedom now. Go about your business. And then when they didn't have any opportunity to succeed or prosper, white America was like, see those lazy bums? They'll, they're nothing but thieves, and they can't do anything for themselves. It's like, well, you didn't give us anything to work with. Right. Like, one of the first conditions of black freedom was reparations, which obviously we never got. Yeah. But, like, because they understood at the time that, hey, they don't have any generational wealth, any land. They have no building blocks with which to succeed at all you're just gonna toss them out in the world like what do you think is gonna happen i think and the, exactly uh, what you thought happened was gonna happen i feel like we're only now at a point like we're all you know how you can kind of tell like the south yeah. because they lost the war yeah and it's kind of constantly at like a few decade disadvantage of the the stuff that they have up north like yeah. as far as public transit and everything black people are like several generations behind white people and yes some have advanced faster and you know, are doing well, but it doesn't speak for us as a whole. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, we start off minus 10, and everybody else starts off at zero. I think the... Well, the, everybody, every, everybody else probably starts off, maybe other minorities start off at zero, and white people start off at positive 10, just like <laughs> people start off at negative 10. I think the term for that is privilege. Yeah. That's become a privilege dirty sucks. word these it, days. It, it always sucks to hear that you get stuff that you didn't deserve, and, like, privilege is a bitch to hear about, like, I'll never forget the first time I was in, like, an internet argument with some woman, and she was like, well, you're a man. You can't fathom the privilege that you have. And I was like, "If I'm black, but I'm pretty sure I turned red as fuck because I was so mad. Like, how dare this white person tell me that I experience privilege? But I do. I'm a straight dude. Like, a lot of in a lot of ways, my life is easy, and I have privilege, and I have to just, like, accept that. I don't know why people can't accept it in other ways, but... Well, you can't you can't talk to a lot of white America, because a lot of white America is middle class or lower class. Like, you can't talk to them about privilege because they're like, I'm struggling every day, my family's struggling every day, what privilege are you talking about? It's like, but you don't understand. All the shit you're going through, minorities, going through, like, double time. have It's like you got, you got a some. promise that was not... If you're a poor white person in some poor rural place, or not even a rural place, you're just poor and you have no prospects for employment or positivity coming, like, you got cheated. You were born white. That was supposed to mean something, and you don't have that social capital anymore. And that's why people are voting for Trump, because basically, make America great again is like code for, like, make being white mean something again. Like, the more people hate affirmative action, people hate to see black people in positions of not even I, I keep saying black people, but I really mean all minorities. Yeah. Um, like when you see them in a position of power or influence or anything, it's like, hey, that was something that would have been like guaranteed to me before, and now I'm losing access to that. Well, and uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean that was basically my whole thought. It's well, just like, back to what you were saying about why there have been historically white communities that destroy black communities when the black communities weren't fucking with the white communities at all. My theory is is that. When, as a human being, you need to know what's right and what's wrong. You need, to, you, have, you need to have a sense of what you are as a person and what you're doing as a person is right. And when you see someone, like a black person, who's very different from you, just the existence of an other 
getting very existentialism here right now. Just the existence of an other challenges directly or indirectly your awareness of who you are. So just for the fact that they that a black community exists outside of a white community and it does things differently upsets people. That's why religions have gone to war with other religions who are almost 95% identical. It's because just because they're doing something slightly different, it bothers some people because they they want to feel that they're 100% correct and just the fact that any there's any alternative is a challenge to their perception. So it's like they don't want they don't want that. They don't want that at all. So they want everything to be identical to them. It's very narcissistic. It's not just narcissistic. It's like out and out hateful. So basically, you just hate that other ways of life exist. Yes, because we are all, if I can speak a little psychological here, we are all self-absorbed. It's it's a fact. I mean, yeah. You know, and like, so, yes, that's yeah. definitely inherently true. And like, you, it, it makes sense because like, since the history of being non-white people in this country, there's always been like this weird dichotomy of like, all right, first off, like, oh, this is our land, but there's people here, so we got to kill them, and we deserve to kill them because we have more stuff than them. Yeah. Or, like, we bring in millions of Africans. They're subhuman, so it's okay, but at the same time, let's not teach them how to read or educate them because who knows what they can turn into. You can't be like, hey, you're inherently inferior, but at the same time, like, we're deathly afraid of you because you'll know that you'll kill the shit out of us and take over. That's, like, those two things don't drive with each other at all, and they've always been there. Yeah, it's... As, like, the fears of white supremacy in general it's always been like one we can't trust these people because they're not really real people and at the same time like they have the ability to take over and ruin everything man you weren't kidding about the hot takes man i feel like anyone listening is probably gonna be like what the fuck am i listening to <laughs> yeah i only look i only have hot takes i don't have any medium safe temperature <laughs> takes at all ask me about how the saints are gonna win the fucking super bowl Hot ass take, I know, but like I can totally see it. <laughs> hey man, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even try and ask you about that because I want it to be true so bad that like I'm I'm just gonna go with it. All right, question for you. I know this is your show, but question for you. Yes. If I told you I can make you the deal, Donald Trump becomes president, right? Okay. For eight years. Okay. But in all eight of those years, the Saints win the Super Bowl. Would you take that deal? Oh shit. Oh, eight straight? Oh, Eight man. straight Super Bowls. We would definitively become the greatest... The greatest team of all time, yes. I can't. It's too selfish. It's too selfish. I'd be ruining... I'd be cutting off my nose to spite my face, you know? It's like... Like, you know, when I... I, I, I thought... As I asked that question, I'm imagining myself in, like, slavery shackles on a fucking <laughs> field, like, watching <laughs> the Saints win that six straight Super Bowl through, like... The massive window, and, and I'm super lit about it. I'm like, totally worth it. Like, I'm picking cotton, but like, cool. Six straight Super Bowls? We got two more coming? Like, that is the power that sports has over us, I guess. Oh, man. I, I, this, I'm ashamed that I had to consider it, but yeah, I, I'd have to go, no, it's not worth it. It's If it was rigged like that, whether supernaturally or naturally, no, yeah. it would kill the fun. So deserves to win a supernatural Super Bowl is the team that's named after some supernatural shit. Yeah. Now that we're we've delved into sports a little bit, I've, I've you're you're unique in my circle of friends because you are a huge soccer or you know as the Euros football. football. You're a huge soccer fan. I'm kind of a soccer fan. I try to get into soccer. You got me into. I, I remember the conversation 
like it was yesterday. So I was talking to you, we were in class. I think we were in I think we were in a bio or a chem class because we had bio and chem together all the time in college. And I was talking to you about, hey, I really want to get into more soccer. And you were like, you need to get in the Premier League. That's the best soccer in the world. And I was like, okay, who do I root for? And you were like, you looked at me, you were like, you need to be an Arsenal fan. I'm like, what? Arsenal, what is that? He's like, just look him up. You're, you're an Arsenal fan. Just be an Arsenal fan. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm an Arsenal fan. And See, I've, that's the kind of unselfish story that, man, that makes me sound like a hero. I hate Arsenal. I just want to put that on the record. I'm a Chelsea fan. I hate Arsenal. I can just tell, like, it's an easy fandom to be a part of. Not as bad as man you, huh? I, I mean, that's, that's the evil empire, man. You don't want to be a Yankees fan. Like... <laughs> They're the worst. I don't know. It's a very easy fandom to get into. Like, okay. So people have come to me before and be like, oh, you know, who do you like? Why do you like them? Who should I like? Like, I would say that Arsenal is, if not number one, maybe the number two most popular European soccer team in America. Right? Okay. They're based in London. They wear, wear white and blue. They're really easy to like. And they're always good, but they're never that good. Like, they yeah. just can't win the championship. But yeah. it's a very easy team to like. That's why I thought that if you became an Arsenal fan, like, you would be able to, one, find other people to bond with. I didn't, like, when I first started, like, Chelsea, there yeah. was no one else. Like, and whenever I would talk to other soccer fans about who I was a fan of, and I'm like, oh, I'm a Chelsea fan, that's immediately followed by, <laughs> So, I didn't want you to go through that, so I gave you a team that was, like, respect. And I've been a fake Arsenal fan ever since. I'm like, yeah, go Gunners, whatever, I don't know. Get a jersey. That, yeah, like, that. Also, soccer has the most stylish jerseys by far of any sport. Like, yes, ooh, they, you look like a fucking idiot walking around with a tank top on, like, a basketball jersey. That's dumb. Yeah. Football jerseys are not designed for human arms. Yes. They're long as fuck. Baseball jerseys have buttons. What the fuck is going on there? Get a fucking soccer jersey. Soccer jerseys for the fashion alone is worth it. Yeah, Real, Real's all-white unis, or all, I'm sorry, all-white kits, I think are those, that's probably the, the cleanest looking, that's an awesome yeah, one. Yeah. So you're, as you said, you're a Chelsea fan, and how do you feel about being a Chelsea fan? Where are they at these days? What, what do you think's going, what's going on with them right now? Okay, I'll go straight Chelsea podcast on this then, but. That's why I called you, man. Last season was a debacle. I've never seen anything like that in the history of sports. Okay. For those who don't know or pay attention, Chelsea, the season before last, basically moonwalked into the championship, right? Like, we were <laughs> we won the championship. Like, the season ends in May. We Everybody knew that we won at, like, Christmas. It was very over. So, going into the next season, it was like, all right, well, Chelsea's one of the favorites since they just obliterated everyone. And then we were hot trash. I feel like we didn't win a game until Christmas. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Basically, all the players hated the coach, even though the coaches, I don't even know how to, he's the fucking red hour back to the Celtics is what Jose Mourinho is to Chelsea. He made us a thing. He made us champions. Even though we never won the Champions League with him, he basically built the entire foundation of Chelsea, the championship team, right? So for him to like, all the players now hate him and like, we can't win a game out of pure hatred of the manager was weird. And now we're gone. And I think he's gone for good this time. And if you also don't know, he's the coach of Manchester United now. Which is the job he really always wanted. Yeah. Like, so they're gonna be like horrifyingly good, but you just know that when Jose Mourinho coaches your team, like the first year you get much better, the second year you win the championship, and then the third year everybody starts to hate each other. Just be on the lookout, man, you fans, if you're listening to this. <laughs> so that's what's gonna happen. So you uh... we're gonna be fine. Chelsea's gonna be good. We had some injuries, defensive issues. Like we signed some good young defensive midfielders. I think we'll be fine. I don't know if we're gonna win the championship now that there's a whole new influx of coaching. So also, if you don't know, like I said, Jose Mourinho is the coach of uh, Manchester United now, and 
Manchester City just hired probably best manager in the world, super famous Pep Guardiola. He made the Barcelona machine, and then he went and won championships with Bayern Munich, and now he's here to try the Premier League. So they're also going to be incredible. Yeah, my and, uh, my old roommate was a huge Bayern Munich fan. He's a real Deutschland fan and all that shit. So yeah, so Manchester City is also going to be horrifyingly good, and Liverpool is about to be back good again. And Arsenal is Arsenal, like you're never any any worse than fourth. And Chelsea will be right in that mix, hopefully. Plus, Leicester is the defending champions. I mean, they lost some of their good dudes, but I don't know if they'll be, like, gone forever. Uh, so, but doesn't Chelsea have, like, this billionaire owner who just throws money at problems? So, yes. Uh, I think that's where most soccer fans kind of grow in hatred for Chelsea. So, think of it like this. Politically, right? Okay. The Premier League was basically, it was a monarchy. They had teams that they just always won. Like, yeah. Manchester United is almost always good. Yeah. Arsenal is almost always good. Liverpool is almost always good. The same three or four clubs that just cycle through every championship in history. Yeah. Chelsea has been, like, a historically middle-of-the-road kind of also-ran club. Now, they had the advantage of being in London, so they could attract good players. But, like, for the most part, they've just been average the whole time. I can't think of some American sports equivalent. They were like the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. They were there. They were not bad all the time. They were bad some of the time, but they were always there. Then... Their British owner sold to this mercurial billionaire Russian oligarch. Yeah. And basically, they kind of have loose financial rules in soccer, kind of about like you know salary cap and stuff like that. They were they were kind of non-existent. Most teams didn't want to operate at a debt. Yeah. But Roman Abramovich came and said, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like I just want to win a championship, and I'll pay whatever any player wants to come here. And so then he goes about buying players from everywhere, and Chelsea became good very, very quickly. And how it works out so, that way? Like they, I think we we bought the team in two thousand three, and we won the league in two thousand four. Like it was quick. Damn. But people usually don't like that because an aspect, I guess, they don't really have this aspect in American sports. Maybe in baseball, kind of, but not really. You take a, a great deal of pride in your team's academy. So, like, okay. in, in soccer, I can pick up a dude. If I'm the neighborhood club, I'm living in Dallas. If I run FC Dallas and there's this 13-year-old kid who's the best player in Texas history and he looks like he could be one of the best players ever, I would get him to play in my academy. Okay. And basically, we do all of his schooling. He works, basically works for FC Dallas his whole childhood career. Then when he's ready to become a professional, he's already on our books. And we yes. can sell him for profit or one or we can keep him. And teams are usually proud of having great academies and okay. building all these lush players like Barcelona if you ever know any Barcelona fans that's all the fuck they talk about like yes they developed most of their good players they found Messi when he was 11 and I get it right yeah. Chelsea said fuck all of that completely <laughs> you make the players good for us I'll just go buy them and that's why people don't like them but I just think of them more of as like a disruptor to the industry they kind of ruined the good old boys club of who wins championships and I think that's been good for the sport in general because Soon after, after Chelsea was very successful, Manchester City kind of started the same thing. Who mm-hmm. got even richer oil sheiks than, and they are doing the same thing. And they've won a couple championships now, so it, it works. Well, I think anyone listening will, I hope Fall they're asleep. all they're, they're all done. saying, they "Wow, this has been very insightful." Definitely stop listening. <laughs> no, I think that you no, it's that's the thing I wanted to do with this oh. podcast. I wanted to like, I have such a very, I actually do have a very diverse group of friends who are interested in very diverse things. So I like to. I like to hear people talk about what they're interested in, man. So 
I can tell I've known for years that you're a huge soccer fan. I really wish I could get in more into soccer. But how do you balance the football, basketball, soccer going on at one time? Well, uh, soccer really doesn't have much of an off season, so yeah. uh, you kind of stay plugged into that all the time. But it's really ideal because I mean, it's in England. You wake up on a Saturday morning and there's a game on. Like the moment you, I wake up pretty early in yeah. general. So like if you wake up at eight or nine, there's games on. Or uh, on a Sunday morning, there's really nothing better than November. October time where you wake up mm, Sunday morning it's like 7.45, 8 a.m. there's a game on probably Chelsea and yeah. then after that the Saints game starts like it just leads into each other perfectly it makes for you a better Sunday like, the more sports you have on that day the better well I, I can't disagree with you on that so did you watch the Euros and the Copa Cup? yes I watched the Euros much more than I watched the Copa yeah the Copa was kind of but I, could, I still like, can't believe I mean we were all waiting for the same thing and it didn't happen like I was all waiting for like Argentina to just win but they got beat again but nevertheless it was less climactic than the Euros which I actually ended up losing money on I started a pool at work knowing that I would have the advantage that I actually know shit about soccer as opposed to like my coworkers, and then fucking Portugal ruins everything the old uh, NCAA tournament logic huh yeah, except it was working. And like, imagine you're like, oh, yeah, I picked this team because of the colors, blah, 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 blah. And that person always wins, right? But it was like, I was winning everything. I had like a damn near perfect bracket. It just came down to the point of like, okay, if they win the championship, they can seal the, the whole pool from you, but you should basically win. And then my team <laughs> didn't win the championship, fucking France. So what did I get for counting on France? I'll never make that mistake again. Oh, uh, that was a good match. I was so I was so surprised. Although I did text my buddy now that Ronaldo's out. How fucking funny would that be if Portugal won this bitch? And Man, I was they just they like, did. motherfuckers. Uh, I just want to also say this wouldn't have happened to France if they wouldn't have kicked Kareem Benzema off the team to, for selling a <laughs> sex tape. We've all sold sex tapes. That's not even like. Uh, mine, my mine's still on the market. I, it's on eBay. No bids have been made, but well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, keep like, my fingers crossed. I guess we also our best friends sex tape. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was a dumb controversy. They should have just let him play. If he played for Alabama, he would have played. Yeah, like, I think I, I might have asked this before, but one of your best friends, like best best friends, best best friends, if you found out that they had a sex tape, would you watch it? Oh, it depends on who they were having sex with. And it depends on the friend. Like, if I had a sex tape out, I feel like, knowing my general attitude on things, I feel like most of my friends would probably watch it because they think that I'm kind of an exhibitionist and would be into having that scene. But if it was somebody who I thought was a very private person and the fact that this out would devastate them, I probably Yeah. You just described me, because I I would be mortified. if I, I don't even want to imagine what I look like in the act. Like, I can't... That's, I let, like, lights off is the best kind, because I don't even want to think about what's, what I'm looking like. I just want to, like, like not imagine anything, because I can't get out of my own head. So, if there was a video of me, you know, in the act, I, I would be mortified. I would not See, want to yeah, and like it. I said about myself, I would definitely watch it. And, like, take notes. <laughs> and, like, smile for the camera. And no! Like, I don't... Definitely... See, I'm a prude like that. I don't think there's anybody of my friends that I would want to watch like uh, that's just that's just private so you've never like you've never had sex with a girl and be like god damn i just fucking destroyed this i wish that i had sex recently and i really thought that like i should <laughs> give a like lecture basically because i was like <laughs> fucking just crushing it and like i wanted to show people like finer techniques of like oh she put on music watch as i stroke gently to the beat of the music and then crescendo as the beat drops like do that <laughs> 
yeah, um, look, I mean, uh, <laughs> look, man, sometimes, like, as, I guess, as young, straight guys, not even straight, as young guys, basically, our whole life has been in a pursuit of sex, right? Yes. That's all we probably ever wanted to a certain extent. That and people money. have been telling us that we want it, right? Now we're at an age where it's kind of, like, feasible to happen. Like, sometimes you do it better than others, and sometimes, like, feel good about it like if my sex tape was if i had a sex tape of me having real good sex where it was like i was fucking destroying the pussy i would definitely want people to see it <laughs> if it was bad like oh uh, sometime like oh oh you had whiskey dick it wasn't good then i'll be like all right yeah mm, it's not my best work you can still watch it i'm still better to, than average but like i need to put a disclaimer before this episode like <laughs> Parental discretion advised. Okay, yeah. For, sorry, when I say destroying the pussy, that is a metaphor for doing one's taxes. <laughs> like, I wanted you to see my accounting techniques is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, man, that was funny. Um, um, so, no, nah, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to watch. I just, I just think that, like, I'm not really a conservative guy, but like, I'm very conservative in the as far as that kind of stuff because I just think it's very private. Like, it's a very private thing. Oh yeah, like I wouldn't want to share that with anyone else. I just feel like sex is nothing because sex is everything. Like, sex means so many different things to so many different people. You can't even put it in any type of box. Yeah, like for every person where it's like private and sacred, it's like just something to do for somebody else or for yeah. every person that like oh i can only do it this way because i'm too shy to do something else there's somebody who's like tied up to their ceiling where there's a girl standing behind their dick like doing all kinds of which who knows like it's different to everybody so it can't be one thing yeah it's it's just the it's just uh look man i i i mean like i, I i've dreamt about having a menage toi like I'm sure that would be a lot of fun, although I think it would be kind of awkward at times. But I think like, it would be very stressful. Yeah. You'd have to be – You would. it would be like playing a basketball game. Like you couldn't just enjoy and have fun. You'd have to like strategize. Yeah, no, I, I think it would definitely be work. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, – because people always like fantasize about threesomes, and I think that you don't really think about the logistics of it. Like, yeah. Generally, it's going to be like there's a either actively bisexual girl, which is probably your best hope. Yes. Your worst thing is that there's a girl who's an out-and-out lesbian who will just tolerate a guy. Yeah. Then there's a girl who's bisexual, right? If the girl's an out-and-out lesbian, she's really just there. She's really competing with you. <laughs> she doesn't want to touch you at all. Like, I imagine, like, so what do I do with her? Like, all right, doing shit with her. I'm really focused on this girl. We both want to have sex with her. That seems real difficult. If it's a situation where they were both bi, then maybe you can make that your dream come true. But I think in most situations, it's not that. I think it's like we're actively fighting... Yeah. A lesbian woman for a vagina. Yeah, it's just like, I, I just think of sex as a very private act. Not private. I find it's a very intimate act. So I think that it's a very pers- it's on a very personal level. Like, I, I mean, I've, uh, you know this, I've, I've, I've had some encounters with some women that I don't even remember the name of. Uh, oh, yeah. South by Southwest comes to mind, but I just, like, it's fun if it's brief, but it's like, it's meaningless at the end, and it's just like, it's a stat pattern or something like that, just get your number up or something like that, but like, if you're into that sort of thing, but it's like, I'll tell you, every time I've, you know, I've done it with a girl I really care about, I really like, like, it was just, it's, it was cherished, like, I wouldn't want to share that with the rest of the world, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, that's probably due to like, you know, positive home training and having good ideas about sex, it's just like, 
people approach it so differently. Like yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to you know kind of regularize it. Yeah, standardize it. Yeah, I, I get you. I get you. All right. Well, now that we've talked about Game of Thrones, politics, sports, and sex, I think we should start I, the questionnaire. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. You have you watched Inside the Actor Studio? Ever? Yes. Yes. Okay, so you're like you wouldn't believe how many of my friends have never heard of the show. I thought a lot of people heard of the show. It's a great yeah, show. Yeah, that show is fire. The best episode is the one with Dave Chappelle. Uh, Followed see, by the one with all of the cast of The Simpsons. Those are the best two episodes. Nah, see, my personal favorite is the one with Robin Williams. I thought his was the oh, best. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so you're familiar with the questionnaire at the end. It's the Pivo questionnaire. James Lipton borrowed it. It's a few questions. I find it very insightful, so I shamelessly have copied it. Okay, right off the bat, what is your favorite word? Uh, uh, probably egregious. Oh yeah, that's been your word since high school, man. Yeah, I've been kind of like famous for using that word. It's really perfect because it's a very easy meaning. Like it's something bad, and you it makes you sound smart. People are still impressed by big words to this day. Not like we don't all have the fucking internet and can look shit up. So yeah, you can use it very easily. And I'm kind of hyperbolic in nature. Anybody who talks to me. I yes. don't say anything that's straightforward. Yeah. So it makes me, it allows me to discuss my like standard level of I'm fucking disgusted with you <laughs> very easily. So yeah, egregious. That's a, uh, that's a great word, man. It's a great, it's a great SAT word. All right. On the flip side, what is your least favorite word? Oh, okay. It's actually in my Twitter name. Uh, my least favorite word is problematic. One, because it basically sprung out of nowhere. It's like a word that I'd probably spent the first 19 years of my life never hearing and now I hear it like once a day yeah it's a it's a a polite way it's a a fancy way of saying this shit ain't gonna work no it's like a fancy way of saying like hey you should dislike this like oh your favorite rapper is problematic like oh fuck man I'm a huge fan of you and then you said this dumb shit and now you have this label on you of just this one word, it doesn't really encompass anything, but it tells me how I'm supposed to feel. It kind of sucks. You know, since we, we just had a sex talk, one word I despise, I just I just can't stand it. And it's, it's the, it's the no, it's not that. It's related, but it's not that. It's related, it's an act. It's cunnilingus. Like, that is such an awkward-ass fucking word, dude. Yeah, but I think that became the word, because, like, if you were doing cunnilingus, if you just mouth the word cunnilingus, you would do it pretty well. <laughs> I think that's the origin of the term. <laughs> oh, man. What? All right, yeah. It's Tips just... and tricks, feel free to use that. <laughs> okay, moving on. Oh, man. Dude, you've been, this has been hilarious. This is probably the episode I've laughed the hardest. You're welcome. You, oh, thank you, man. <laughs> that's why I wanted to get you on here. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, emotionally, physically, sexually, just anything in general? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, probably, like, confidence. Like, yeah. I've objectively had sex with women that are probably not attractive. But in the moment, they were just like, yo, how are you not interested in sex with me? <laughs> and I was like, wait, how am I not? Let's do it. And, like, whenever, like... I guess all of the artists that I'm drawn to, like, musically, like, Kanye yeah. West or Lil B, it's just like, I don't give a fuck about what you think. Look at all the shit I'm gonna do. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, I'm with you. Unabashed, like, fucking confidence. I guess because maybe I don't consider myself, like, supremely confident. Not <laughs> outwardly, so. So, like, I always respect seeing that yeah. in other people that's willing to take, like, huge risks or not giving a fuck what you think about you know, how they're gonna do their shit you know what's funny uh, the best way I can describe this it's kind of what you were talking about it's a slight tangent and it's also back to the sex talk 
this is kind of it's kind of like a cheat code to getting in my pants if you're a woman. You know, there's a there's a oh, way. The girls are listening. Ladies. <laughs> This is the this is the trick. I'm serious. I I think I think it's some base level animalistic bullshit that goes through my head. But if a girl says you're not man enough to handle this, it makes me want to handle that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, how dare you? I will prove that I can handle this. <laughs> I can, I can see where you're coming from because in sex you especially like the pursuit of sex and then the actual action of it. Yeah. Like you go to your basis level. Like whatever yeah. is the the bare minimum thing that you want from other people is what you'll like fucking ask for during sex. Like yeah. the people who are into like being demeaned or the people who are into like dominating shit like that. Like that's stuff that you would never do in your regular life. Like yeah. you want to be challenged. You want somebody to like question your authority so you can fucking impose it. Yeah. It's, it's just something I've noticed like girls I would never, I would never go for who have said stuff like that to me. Like, honey, you couldn't handle this. Even if you tried, it's like, it makes me want to like, Find a bed, rip off our clothes, and prove that I can handle that. Just, a, just I'll a little thing. That. I'm gonna, I'm now gonna set a, like a several elaborate traps for girls to say that to you, girls that are just like increasingly like not attractive, <laughs> and just to see if I can wean you out of those ways. It's gonna be like old boy. It's a real life test. Every girl you meet is gonna say that to you. Oh man. Okay, back on topic. Okay, what turns you off? Uh, more than anything in the world, uh, I hate when people like disrespect my intelligence. Mm. Like assuming that I don't know things, even if I don't know them, or like just yeah, more so than anything else, people like trying to disrespect my ability to synthesize information. Like I got it. Mm. Yeah, I would say anyone who's just obnoxious or aggressively obnoxious i just uh it's such a turn off man Anybody. yeah but like even in situation for me like if i met somebody who was like non-stop obnoxiousness like i would just like quarantine them and like get them out of the way but like yeah. to have to encounter somebody who's like trying to play you yeah, I, just, I just hate it all right what's your this is my favorite question what's your favorite curse word that is a very 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 good question um probably the n-word i do say nigga a lot uh it's become more and more political i mean it's been political since the existence of the word but like i say it all the time and now that i've left louisiana and the friends that i knew and once had i don't really have a lot of black people that i know here mm-hmm. and i still have that as part of my like regular mm-hmm. lexicon and so i've noticed that like basically if you talk normal to white people like how you would normally talk around your people and you say the n-word a lot it, it, you you passively giving them the green light yeah and so i've had to like cut down on it and it's like noticeable like i have to yeah. actively censor myself at all times it sucks. i have two good friends one's black and one's white and the black guy you know he says it pretty casually and it's kind of given my white friend like he kind of says it too and it like i can't stand hearing white people say that word it just rubs me the wrong way and or i really can't stand anyone saying the word unless i know like okay they're not it's it's just like like, like a lot of a lot of black guys, a lot of black people. I just give like I'm like I can't really say that that's wrong, but I, I don't really agree with it. But it's but hearing a white person say it, I'm like, ooh, that's that's not you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. be saying. Yeah, like for example, our a girl that we went to high school with. You know who I'm talking about? Cause she was a year older than that. She was a cheerleader, uh, and now she's like, yes. she used to tweet the N word all the time. I had to unfollow her. I was like, I don't know who she thinks she is. Like I get that you're hot, you got fake tits, super sexy, but like, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You are not black. You're from Chalmette. You 
white as fuck. Nah. Did you, you see? Uh, did you see Dope? Yes. Oh, uh, when Blake gets smacked by uh, that, I, I just recently watched that film, and when he was like, "Just go ahead and say it." And then he says it, and then old girl slaps the piss out of him. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, it's like that. Like, yeah, you could say it, but like, you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen to you. Yeah, exactly. And I, it always bothers me. Uh, it bothers me a lot when people just when people just assume that since one black person is cool with it, every black person's gonna be cool with it. It's like, no, that's that's not how this works. Yeah, that's like not... even if President Obama, Oprah, and like LeBron James came up to you with like a fucking Game of Thronesian longsword and like I dub thee a nigga's hair. You can't say it to certain people. You will get punched in your fucking face, deservedly so. But my favorite curse word, definitely God fucking damn it. Like I just like it just gets me. Like I'm like it rolls off the tongue. Like, yes. God G- fucking damn it. G- yeah. GFD. What's- you get a tattoo of that. Consider it just GFD somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. What sound or noise do you love? Hmm. I don't. All right. This is a weird answer, and it's going to make me sound very crazy. All right. But you know, like, in rap songs and in music in general, like, there's sound effects. And not just, like, outside of the music, there's, like, sound effects. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right. So I think well-timed sound effects always make things sound cooler. For example, the number one example, if you can have, like, gun sounds in a song at the right time, it's, like, the coolest fucking thing in the world. So I'm not trying to say, like, gun sounds is my favorite sound, but, yeah. like, a song is about to start and the beat's building up real ominously, like, do 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 And then a gun cocks, I'm like, oh shit, let's get it. That makes me think of, if anyone listening has listened to Facts by Kanye West, when his, the producer injects, like, those Street Fighter 2, yeah, those Street Fighter 2 noises, where it's like, Sonic Boom, and all that shit like that, that yeah. was, that all was right. so, so like, great. You heard Kanye's verse on Pop Style. Yes. Drake, right? I loved his verse on Pop Style. The the whole yeah. verse. I guess the the wider answer is sound effects in music, but like okay. specifically okay. gun sounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna sound very guyish of me, like you know, but I oh, love you're a guy. So yeah, when I drive a car that has that vroom sound, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a fucking noise right there, man. Fuck it. That's true. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I hate to drive very much, so I can't really relate oh, to that, but it. like I get it. I guess that's why I always end up driving wherever we go, because I love oh, driving. Yeah. I'm not shy about the fact that, like, I'm trying to use as many people as possible to drive me places. Like, I hate to drive. Everything about it gives me anxiety. I have to drive, like, a 20-minute commute, both, like, 40 minutes total, I guess. But, yeah. like, that sucks. And so, I just hate driving a lot. A lot, a lot. What sound or noise do you hate? Oof. People who chew with their mouth open should be executed. Um... <laughs> That's, prob- that's probably number one and two. Like, it's just so gross. The one that always gets me is uh, styrofoam, like squeaking styrofoam. Mm, oh. Yeah. Also, I mean, this is very obvious because I don't think anybody likes this sound, but like, sound of nails on the chalkboard, right? Yeah, definitely. It's horrible. But like, it's so horrible to me that when I start to conceptualize that sound, I still get like pangs of fear. Like, I yeah. really hate it. Like, they even the thought of it like freaks me out, so that's also on that. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Mayor of New Orleans. Uh, no, I have no interest in in uh, actually governing. If I could run for a Trumpian style presidency, like, hey, I'm running for president so I can get people to affirm how cool I am, I would do that as long as I have to do the work at the end. But now I feel like the job I will most want to try is like talking head, political talking head, because basically once you get that job, like people have to respect your opinions a little bit. Like I don't have any credentials for me to be in like any topic, but like if I was like 
an official opinion writer or like people came like whenever big events happen people like now let's go to dalvin ford and find out his thoughts and then i just spit these hot ass takes at people (laughs) for money like that would be fired (laughs) you know what job i've always wanted i want to be lauren michaels like the dude who runs snl from behind the scenes like that's got to be the coolest job that seems like the most stressful job, though. Running a live show, like, you are basically on the precipice of calamity at all times. But, like, any wrong thing in the whole show is off the rails and, like, unsalvageable. And you have to do that every week. That seems like a lot of stress. But the thing is, like, you're surrounded by all those incredibly funny, talented people. You get to meet, like, you, you get to bring in these really great hosts. You get to you get to work in New York. You get to meet all these nice bands. You get to just have, it just seems like it's fun. It's incredibly stressful, but fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. On the flip side, what profession would you not like to do? Cop. Easy. Very oh, easy. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, And that's because, like, when you have a job, there are certain fucking attributes of that job that are only true to people who do that job. So to further explain, like, I was a waiter, right? Yes. And when I first started waiting, you would get a table full of black people and all other waiters would, like, feel sorry for you. And you're like, well, Why? He's like, oh, the stereotype about black people not tipping is very true. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't know that. And then you do it, and then they don't tip And repeat ad infinitum, right? Like, all of the stereotypes. Yeah, I've had... If you were a cop, it's probably the same thing. My old roommates were both in the service industry, and one of my best friends is a waiter. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of sad to admit, but it's it's really true. Yeah, you get... Server racism is a real thing, and it's like, it's not even wrong. Like... I have to, like, almost explicitly tell waiters when I first start, like, if I come somewhere with my family or with another black person or just a group of young black people, like, hey, yeah, I used to serve. Like, I know what you think. Like, it's cool. Like, you have to start off like that. And and I'm sure, like, it's the same thing for cops. So, like, if you are a policeman and, like, every time you go to, the, like, the hood black neighborhoods or whatever, you go in to investigate some super violent crime and the people there are actively mean to you and don't treat you with respect nonstop. Like, I'm sure eventually you'd be like, hey, fuck these dudes, even though you're not looking at it at the grand scheme of like, hey, you're the aggressor. You're the one that's fucking with them. That's why they don't like you. Why would you expect them to like you? Yeah. You know, you can't even see that because you're in the weeds. Yeah. Like, so I would hate to be a cop for what that would like turn me into. Like to see all these black cops, like, yeah. like the dude who spoke at the RNC, like I feel bad for him. The cops, I mean, it's really based on their actual experiences and they really feel like way and they probably deserve to feel that way. But like, nah, you wrong as fuck. What you were talking about with Lauren Michaels, everything you could, you're on a live yeah, show. Yeah, and you can die. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the stakes of being a cop. It just, it's it's so risky. It's, oh, it's so, oh, I'd, I'd hate it. The next question is the last one. Okay. You are still a Christian, right? Mm, yes, I believe in the Christian God. I don't really believe in religions very much anymore, though. Okay. But I do love those good old-fashioned Catholic rituals, man. Can't, yeah. Can't escape them. Well, I did, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? It's not a question of say, but I've always had this one fantasy about heaven, right? I imagine that when you die, and if you are lucky enough to go to the paradise section, yes. there is a book. And in that book, there are things that we thought were opinions are like verifiable facts and it's like everything that ever happened so like okay if you open the book it's like how many steps did i take in my life it has that if you like what's the most delicious thing that a human being could eat and it's like <laughs> this woman who lives in like the shangdao <laughs> province of china made this chicken and it's the greatest thing that a human can have 
who was the greatest dick sucker of all time? And it's like, oh, it was Christopher Johnson of Atlanta, Georgia. And you're like, oh, shit, like, whatever. Like, I want to know those facts. So, like, a Guinness World Record? Verifiable facts. Okay. The book of verifiable facts. Who was the hottest woman to ever live? And, like, in the year 270 in Turkey, there was this woman and, yeah. Oh, man. This is probably my favorite episode I've done so far because it was, it was, (laughs) it was hilarious. (laughs) All right, man. uh, I'm going to let you go. Well, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I hope I'll have you back eventually. Yeah, I'll come back whenever, even though I'll probably never listen to it because I hate the sound of my own voice. No, I mean. So I'll listen to the other ones, but I won't listen to mine because like. I'm sorry if I might be sounding like I'm using you, but since you're very popular on these internet streets, I hope... I'm not. I don't even have 200 followers on Twitter. If that is like <laughs> qualifies as very popular, then... No, but like, us. you know people who know people, so hopefully if people hear you, or people who don't know you hear you, they're like, oh man, this show seems really cool, maybe I'll keep with it. So I'm hoping that you broaden my audience base and all that shit. So. There you go. Now you can market it to black people. <laughs> like, hey, check out this dude I had on here. He spit all kinds of hot fire. Well, you're unfortunately not the first black person I've had on here, but... You yeah, know. but I'm the coolest one. Like, let's be real. Sorry, <laughs> other black dude. That was on the show. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, all right? All right. Peace, John. All right, bye.